0: For more information about First Baptist Church, visit our website at fpclillesschool.org. Amen. Thank you, Danny, and praise group and choir. What a great way to usher us into the presence of the Lord this morning. i got to tell you, um, every fall, I develop a little cough. I never really thought much about it until this year. But I was sitting there underneath my mask a minute ago, singing, and I had a little cough, and I'm sitting right next to Dr. Gentry. So it, I kind of let a little cough off, went, ah, ah, and I immediately went, ah. <clears throat> interesting times we're living in. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Philippians. Philippians, we're going to be looking at 4.8. We're going to be looking at a lot today, but we're kind of going to center around what God has to tell us in Philippians 4, eight. We're going to ask the question, and we've been kind of talking about this a little bit on Wednesday nights uh, during our study of Hebrews. But the question that we have to answer, each one of us individually, is this. You want to eat with a fork or a spoon? Do you want to eat with a fork or a spoon? What is keeping revival from coming. There's so many, so many things. And one of the things we've been talking about is how if we're going to be, if we're going to experience revival, if God is going to do what only he can do in our church and our nation, if he's going to bring healing and restoration and revival, we've got to be ready. Each one of us individually has to be ready for revival. So when we get together as the church, the church is ready. And then we leave this place and we go into the world that needs to hear about the love of Jesus Christ and And we've got to be able to share that. But what is keeping revival from coming? What's the missing message that God has for us in revival? What's hindering our surrender? And I'd like us just to take a look, as we do every Sunday, I encourage us to take a look at God's Word and then apply it to our lives and our hearts, to our situations. But it may be us. We may be dealing with the same kind of of hardened hearts that... Jeremiah did when God sent him to call a people to return to him. God told Jeremiah this in Jeremiah 15, 20. Then I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. And though they fight against you, they will not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. If you want revival, if you're serious about it, And I hope that we are getting that way if we're not serious about it. I hope we are beginning to get serious about it. These are the times, I think, that we're going to have to identify with what Jeremiah was going through. When God sent Jeremiah to call his people to repentance, he told that prophet to expect a fight. If we're going to call this world to repentance, if we're going to call our church to, to repentance, a repentance that brings revival, that brings renewal and restoration. We've got to be ready for a fight because there are sections of our hearts, there are sections of churches everywhere, there are sections of our culture that are completely overrun by Satan. And he's going to fight. He will not give up without a fight. So we've got to be ready for that. Pharisees don't go down without a fight. Like the church at Sardis that we looked at last week in the book of Revelation. Many churches boast about their membership or their methods or their buildings or their budgets or their programs, but there is something missing in the people of God. They have the appearance of life, but they're dead. They're not channels through which the Spirit of God can flow. If we're going to have revival, we've got to be channels that God can flow, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit can flow through to literally spread the good news. Are we ready for that? God also told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.10, See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So what are we going to have to uproot? What are we going to have to tear down? What are we going to have to destroy or or demolish before the building and the planning can occur in our lives and in our church? What are the things that we have got to forcibly remove so God can and will do what only He can do in bringing revival to us? Have we taken our beliefs and laid them at the cross? Have we we done that? Have we run our theology through the grid of God or is it just a theology of preference? Are we really looking for what God wants for us? Are we serious? We've been talking in our prayer times that we've been going through every week. Are we serious about wanting God's will for our lives, or do we want God to join us in our will? Are we looking for Him, or are we asking Him to join us? We may be busy, but is God blessing the busyness? Or are we just kind of stirring up dust like Pigpen does in those Peanuts cartoons? Y'all know the one I'm talking about. Pigpen, everywhere he goes, he has this little cloud of dust that follows him. People cough and, and gag and everything because this dust is all... Uh, up around him some of our churches are dusty some of our churches need house cleaning are there others in the church who are more like linus though carrying their security blankets they can't imagine life without them they need something to hold on to because they think that jesus is not enough they want jesus plus something else well let me remind you that jesus plus anything is nothing It's Jesus only, or it's something else. I try not to involve my family in my examples. But some of them are just too great. So I get to share them with you. When Olivia, my oldest, was a baby and a toddler, she had this ratty, nasty blanket that she carried with her everywhere. And she used to pick fuzz off of it, make it into big balls. And we we opened up a purse one time, and there was just like five pounds of fuzz in this little purse. She had kept it. She called it fringe. And she never went anywhere without it. She also had this nasty, beat-up, spilled-on, stuffed cat that she called Kiki. And that thing was nasty. The eyes are just all scarred over. It looks like it's got cataracts. It's just horrible. But I'm going to tell you something. Kiki is with her in Starkville right now. It's still on her bed. Marin almost never gave up her blanket and pacifier. Baba and Gaga. Almost never. It's hard for us to give up our pacifiers, our security blankets, our favorite toys, the things that make and keep us comfortable, but revival demands that we grow up. It's hard for us to give up those things that that give us that sense of security. But if anything gives us a sense of security other than leaving everything with the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are living with a false sense of security. Jesus is the only one that can provide us the security we need to live the life He has called us to live. We've just got to give it up. Revival demands that we grow up. Let's take a look at a couple of verses that kind of highlight this idea. If we will, they're going to be on the screen or you can flip as I'm reading, but we're going to start looking at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes, and brethren, and I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Revival demands that we move from milk into meat. We have the question to answer. Are we going to eat with a fork or a spoon? How are we going to represent Jesus Christ in this world? Many who hold to rules and regulations, many who, who cling to what is comfortable, who to do what we've always done, they still want to be pacified with more milk. They don't want to chew on the word, they don't want to wrestle with the mysteries of God. They want salvation, but they think sanctification is, is in following the rules, not in hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We read of great movements of God in, in, in days that have long since passed. We read about them in our, in our, in our church history, in the history of the, the body of Christ, the Christian church. We, we, we hear about those and we wonder why it's not happening here. We wonder why it's not happening now in this time. Could I just make a suggestion that perhaps we are satisfied living without it? We're satisfied with the lives we've got, with the lives that we've got, and so we're not hungering for God to do something different. We're not hungering for him to do something tremendous and miraculous. We're afraid if we let go and we let God, that we'll lose control. And we will. That's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of giving up and letting God control your life is that he will. We will lose control and the control is something that we, is really a fallacy. We don't really have it. We just think we do. Vance Havner said, Sunday morning Christianity is the greatest hindrance to true revival. There has never been a real work of God that did not result in heartburn alongside the hallelujahs. Revival is available to everybody who will long for a fresh work of God in their lives. And that's where we have got to be as a people. We have got to long for, for a fresh word from God. We have got to hunger and thirst. You know, I tell people all the time that I'm hungry. You can look at me and tell that I haven't been hungry. But I tell people, man, I'm just about to starve to death. Well, no. I've never really felt that. I've been, I've been ready to eat. Have we been hungry? Have we been thirsty? For what God can do in our lives. If we want revival, we've got to pray and and, and ask God to make us hungry for him, thirsty for what only he can do. We've got to be prepared for that feeling. We've got to be prepared to respond. Are we ready for that? We can't let others stop us. We can't set a limit on what God can do, even if the church never sees what God does in us. We can't be stopped from doing it. Revival is not a mystery. God wants to revive his people. God wants us to have that passionate relationship with him. He wants us to experience that. He wants us to do that. Isaiah thirty eighteen 18 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion for you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those, all those, who long for him. Take a look in your bulletins. Take a look uh, if, uh, I'm not sure if we got a code for it or anything that's on, the, that's on the screen, but there's copies, hard copies of it. And find the sheet of paper calling you to prayer and fasting for our church. It's going to be a, there's just a couple of things I, I, I'd like you to, to co- covenant to do along with me. We're going to be doing this together. It is time that we began to pray as individuals, and as a family for our church. To be the people that God would have us to be. First of all, I'd like us to fast from October 12th until November 2nd. That's three weeks. Three weeks. Starting tomorrow, find something in your life that can be a distraction. Doesn't have to be, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be food. But find something in your life that can be a distraction and commit to give it up during this time period. Doesn't have to be food. I mean fasting from something can be food or a specific specific food, but it can also be social media. It can be shopping. It can be television. It can be dare I say it. Anything that can serve as a distraction as we focus ourselves on praying and spending time with God, spending time keeping our church before God. Are we ready for a movement? Are we ready for God to do something? This is, this is the time where we get together as a, as a family, sitting individually in our homes, but as a family of God together and say, Lord, we are ready for you to do something in the life of this congregation, this body of believers. We're ready. Now, before you give up any food or anything, I want to make sure you talk to your doctor. I don't want a bunch of people falling out on me, okay? Talk to your doctor about that if you're going to do that. But second, that's the first thing. Covenant with me to three weeks of fasting and prayer for the life, the message, the direction of First Baptist Church. Second of all, while you're fasting, I want you to spend what we might consider an inordinate amount of time in prayer for our church. Specifically, I like us to pray for the following things. First of all, we need to pray for unity. We are never going to do what we have to do in the body of Christ unless we are united. Unity, harmony. That is that invo- that in- that requires each of us to put down something of ourselves to pick up more of God because God is not a God of division. He is not a God of disharmony. God is a God of unity. He is a God of together. He is a God of love. And and if we're going to be that way, we've got to put down something of us to pick up something of God. So let's pray for unity, leaving those things that can serve to divide us with God to handle. Whatever it is, Let's pray for unity together. Also, let's pray for family. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for the families in our church. We have no idea what is going on behind the doors of our homes, but God does. Let's lift each other up. Are we going to spend time lifting one another up? There are people in our church that are, are sick and hurting. There are people in our church that are afraid There are people in our church that have anxiety over life, over work, over finances, over family. There are people in our church that are struggling in their marriages. We we may not know it, but there are people who are struggling doing that. Let's lift each other up. Let's take time in our prayer time to remember one another. That's one of the beauties of, of intercessory prayer that God gives us the ability. He gives us the passion. He gives us the calling to pray for one another. So let's lift one another up. Let's also pray specifically for ministry. Pray for the activities of our church. That that we'll be doing more than stirring up dust. But we'll be about serving the least and the lost. Doing it with the glory of God. Doing it to the glory of God. Not to our own glory. What are we doing that is making a difference? in our community? What are we doing that's making a difference for missions both at home and abroad? What are we doing that is, that is letting the world around us know that this church cares about what happens to them, that this church loves them, whether they feel lovely or not, because we represent, we reflect the love of a God who loves them, who created them for a purpose, with, with, with meaning. Let's pray for the ministries of our church. Are there things that we're doing that we may not need to do? Are there things that we're not doing that we may need to do? I've been talking with some of you about some, some ministries that are, that are just not getting done in, in the community around us. And, and we're going to step up and start doing those things. Why? Because we serve a God of love. And they will know we are his children because of our love for each other and our love for them. So let's pray for the ministries, of our, or the, the ministries of our church. Let's pray for our worship. Let's pray that God, that God will be glorified in our acts of worship, in the things that we do. Pray that we will set aside our preferences, which will serve to divide us, and unite behind the desire to lift up God every time we gather for corporate worship. Let's make sure that when we gather together, we've prayed up this time we're going to spend together. Your staff does it. But it's going to take more than just the staff praying about our worship. Let's every one of us covenant with each other to pray that before we come in here on Sundays, before we sit down on Wednesdays, before we come together on Sunday nights, that we have stopped and asked God to do something mighty, something amazing, something miraculous with our time of worship. We want to lift him up. We want to make much of him. Let's make sure that we, that, we do, that we tell God we want to do that and ask him to, to remove those barriers that we might have to that. Let's pray for our worship. Let's pray for evangelism. Pray that God will place in our paths people who need to hear the gospel. And let's commit when God does that, that we won't pass up that divine appointment. Because if, somebody, if God puts somebody in front of you that needs to hear the word of God, they may need to start by seeing the word of God lived out in, in our lives. Let's pray that we understand that God has brought us together and that that is not just something random, that that is a divine appointment. It could happen at work. It could happen at church. It could happen at the grocery store. It could happen on the golf course. It could happen anywhere. Let's pray that we don't pass up an opportunity to share with somebody about what Jesus has done for us and what he can do for them. And I'm gonna to add to that something when we're praying for evangelism, let's pray for discipleship. Let's pray for discipleship, okay? Once we evangelize, we can't just leave folks on their own. The church, For the church to grow, for the church to grow in, in maturity, in spiritual maturity, for us to grow into the likeness of Christ, we've got to study. We've got to study individually. We've got to study together. We've got to read God's word. We've got to let it penetrate our hearts and our minds. We've got to be people who are hungry and thirsty for the word of God. And that is discipleship. Are we hungry and thirsty for the word of God? Let's pray that we become disciples. Let's pray that we make disciples. So I'll add that to evangelism. I didn't have that on your list, but you can add that in. Let's pray for intimacy. Pray that God will ignite within each one of us a passion for knowing Him more and better. I've said several times over the course of the last couple of weeks as the the messages have just kind of geared toward that. But if the only time you're getting the Word of God is between 11 and 12 on Sunday and maybe 6 and 7 on Sunday and maybe 6 and 7 on Wednesday. It's not going to be enough. God calls us to intimacy. How are you intimate with somebody? You spend time with them. You get to know them. They become important to you. They become critical to you. Shouldn't that reflect our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Shouldn't that be the way we think about Jesus? Shouldn't that be the way we crave to have the Holy Spirit working in us? Creating us, breaking us down, and building us up to be the people that that, that God created us to be and that He knows we have every potential of being? To do that, we have got to commit ourselves to intimacy with Him. We've got to spend time with Him. We've got to talk to Him and then listen when He talks back. We've got to show through our deliberate actions that God is important to us. That who He is is who we want, we are striving daily to become. That what He wants for us is what we want for us. That we love, not so, and we serve others and we witness to others, not so we can check it off some big list that God has given us of things that we've got to do, but because we are overabundantly blessed with love and mercy and grace. That Jesus himself gave us the example for service. He gave us himself the example for obedience. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have to make that a part of who we are. And the only way to do that is to be intimate with him. And So pray for intimacy. And finally, pray for primacy. Primacy. Pray that That you and that I will pray that I and our church will put God first in everything we do. It's not about what makes us look good or bad. It's not about what we uh, think we ought to be doing. It's not about what, you know, what other folks will think about us. The mission of the church ought to be, what does God think about what we're doing? What does God think about the direction we're headed. What does God think about this decision? What does God think about that decision? Are we, are we running everything through God's lens or are we still doing it through our lens? I guess that's the question. And if we're going to pray for primacy, we need to pray that the center of his will is where we long to be. The center of his will is where we long to be and we're not going to stop until we get there. Do we want to be in the center of God's will? I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's tough getting there. Because we're human beings. And because sometimes the center of God's will is a place that we're not sure we want to go. Sometimes the center of God's will is is calling us to to a level of commitment, and a level of service that we may never have done before. And that we're not sure we want to do. If God is going to bless us individually with revival, with renewal, spiritual renewal. If God is going to bless this church with revival, with renewal, if God is going to use us as his instrument to bless this community and the world with revival and renewal, it has to start with our yielding ourselves to God's will first. What does God have to say about what we're doing? And we're not saying, God, when we pray for for God to be first in our lives, we need to say, God, I I want your will to be first in my life. I want your will to be first in my church. And Lord, we're not going to stop praying. We're not going to stop doing. We're not going to stop trying to be until we get there. Because it's a journey. Are we ready to make that journey together? Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 8, which is where I ask you to flip this morning. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. We got to dwell on the things that are good, not just the things that are bad. God has blessed us beyond measure. God has given us, each one of us, a ministry. He has given each one of us a voice. He has given each one of us a testimony. He has given each one of us gifts and talents that we, that we may not even know that we have, but he has blessed each one of us with the ability to do something that only we can do for the kingdom of God. I ask myself this, and I'm going to ask you this question too. Are you doing Everything that you can for the kingdom of God. Are there things that God may be talking to you about doing that you don't think you've got the gifts for, the talents for, the time for? Let me tell you something. If God is calling you to do something, God is going to make sure that you've got the tools you need to do it. God's not about the business of going, man, I'm going to call him to do this. Let's, let's, Let's watch him try to do it. No, God says, if I want you to teach, I'm going to gift you for that. If I want you to, to be a part of a prayer ministry, I'm going to gift you with the time and the patience to do that. If God wants you to serve in a leadership position in this church, I'm going to give, God's going to give you the gifts and the talents that you need. If God wants you to show your commitment to the church through, your, through the time that you spend or the, the, the resources that you share, God is going to give you the things that you need to fulfill His calling on your life. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how, how your age as a Christian. It simply doesn't matter. If God is placing something on your heart, He's going to gift you to do it. If there are needs in the church, we are the church. If there are needs in the ministries of our church, God is gifting somebody and calling somebody to do those things because God doesn't create needs in the body of of Christ and not provide a means to meet those needs. It's simply not going to happen. So as we pray fervently, and I, I challenge us to do this, three weeks, three weeks, find something that is a distraction and let it go. Give it to God for three weeks. And spend some time praying to him about these things and about anything else that comes to your mind. I just wanted to to direct you to those things as a family. Let's dwell on those good things. Let's dwell on those things. And and by dwelling, that means we, we set aside time to meditate and to think and to focus. Every one of us has got time for that. Every one of us has got time for that. And then let's see what God does in the lives of his people. Let's see what God does in the life of this church. Let's see what God does in the life of this nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, Turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. It starts with us, it begins with us being ready, being willing, and knowing that God is able. Are we prepared for that journey together today? Let's take that journey together today. In a minute, we're going to have a time of invitation. A beautiful, sacred, solemn time where we give folks the opportunity to let us know that God has done something in their lives. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe God is dealing with you. Maybe God is is bringing all of these ideas together because he wants you to understand that you've got a place in his kingdom. You've got a spot at his table. There are things that the kingdom of God needs that only you can do. And he's calling you to give your life to him so that he can begin using you in a way that you never thought possible. It's today that day. Let it be. Don't wait. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're ready to rededicate your life. Maybe you're ready to say, look, I've spent a lot of time as a Christian and it's, it's gotten, I need to blow the dust off. Let today be the day that we blow the dust off of our, of our spiritual lives. Let's do that today. Let's get ready for what God is going to do so when He moves, we can be ready to move along with Him. Let's, let's do that together today. Father God, I just... I come to you tonight, today, thanking you for your love. I thank you for your your work in my life and in the life of the lives of those people that are here. The life of this church, God, I just thank you for everything that you're doing, Lord. We want to be a people that are hungry and thirsty for you. We want to to want you more than anything else. We want your will to be front and center in our lives, in the life of this church, in the life of our community, Father. We want you to lead us as we. As we move, God, we want everything we do to be, to be covered in, in, in prayer and dedicated to you so that, that you are made much of and we are made little of, Father. We want everything we do to bring glory and honor to you. Through our praise, through our ministry, through our worship, through our witness, through our testimony, through, our, through, through everything that we do, God, we want you to be front and center in our lives. God, help us to do that. Help us to set those things aside that would distract us. Help us to to push those things down that would would weigh uh, on our minds and keep us from being focused on you, God. Help us to tell the enemy that he has no place in our homes. He has no place in our businesses. He has no place in this church. He has no place in our lives at all and that he must go. Help us as we're strong in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for our time of invitation.